I thought Sydney wanted to do a special song. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you, ladies. That's a pleasant surprise this morning. Thank you so much. Well, if you brought your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, I want to read verses 13 and following. I want to speak to you in a sermon that I've entitled, Holy Spirit Love. Holy Spirit Love. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. 
For brethren, you've been called unto unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the love, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say in verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, mischievousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the, affection, with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. This morning I want to share with you just a message about love, but it's about Holy Spirit love. According to God's Word, love is the primary grace of the Christian life. Now this love, Paul mentions here, is the, the fountain in which all the other graces flow. Paul refers to it as the chief virtue of the Christian life. Look at verse 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the entire law can be summarized with one word. Love. So this morning, God would have us to understand the meaning and the function of this very important word as in the Christian life, and that word love, Holy Spirit love. So first of all, if you're taking notes, let's look at love defined, love defined. The question is, what is love? Now, there are three primary words in the Greek language for love. Uh, eros is the first word. Eros is a sensual love. It's where we get the English word erotic. Sensual love is the lusting emotion of a person or for a person. Many people mistake eros love as true love or enduring love. Youth and adults alike are quick to tell people perhaps that they're dating or building a relationship. They're quick to tell that person that I love you. Now, oftentimes, instead of being the true love that we'll talk about later on, oftentimes it's this eros love. It's this erotic love. 
It's, it's, it's a love more so of lust. So instead of saying, I love you, what they're really thinking and saying is, I lust you. Now, when you think of this eros love, as a matter of fact, the word eros is so offensive. This, this love, particularly, is, is so offensive that it's not found one time in the Word of God. It's a Greek word for love. It's an erotic love. Eros, sensual, sexual. But it's never found in the Word of God. And so you cannot base your love on Eros love. Husbands and wives cannot base their love, marriage love, on Eros love. Um, your marriage cannot exist just only on erotic love, sensual love. So the first word is eros, erotic love or eros love. Secondly, philos. Philos, philos is a social type love. It's social in nature. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's where we get the word philanthropy. Uh, I love brother Mike. I love Brother Charles. I love Francis. I love Grady. I love their family. I love my dog or I love my cat. You know, it's a, it's a social type love. Um, but in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, Paul addresses a third type love. Look at that if you will. In 5 verse uh, 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit... Is what? It's love. Now he doesn't use uh, he doesn't use erotic love, eros love. He doesn't use um, a a philos love, but he in, introduces a new love, a higher love, and that's the agape love. And so it's this spirit filled love. So Paul is he is. He's introducing to us a new kind of love, a, a higher love, a different type of love. A love only available for the children of God. Amen. Amen. Think of that. It's true. A love that's only available for the children of God. This agape love, meaning a self-sacrificing love. This new love is the John 3.16 love. For God so loved the world sacrificing love that he gave his only begotten son it's, it's, the, it's the John 3.16 love it's the love husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it it's the self-sacrificing love and so he introduces this spirit-filled love this spiritual love, spirit-filled love, a, sacrif a, 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 a sacrificing love, a, a higher-level love. A love, now listen, that is divine in origin, produced by God, but implanted in the life of every one of His children. Amen. So friend, listen, spirit-filled love is God's gift to us made real by the Holy Spirit. Now if you'll notice there as you begin Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 5 there in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, the first fruit is love. Spirit-filled love. A gift of God to us 
made real by the Holy Spirit. So literally the moment that you get saved or when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God pours God's love into our hearts. Amen. That's why Romans 5 verse 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. And so the moment that we're saved, God implants in us as His children His love. So we have within us a supernatural trait. We have the divine love of God. We have the John 3.16 love. We have the husband love your wives love. We have the love your neighbor as yourself love. We have that implanted in us at the time of our salvation. Now, the question is, why did God implant in us the same love that He has? Why didn't He just let us just have the eros love and let that be it? Or why, not he, why didn't He let us not just have the eros love and the social love and let that be it? But yet He gave us this higher love. He says it this way, A new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Amen. Jesus said, The same love that I've loved you, I'm giving to you. And the reason I'm giving that to you is that you can love each other the way that I've loved you. Amen. So God gave us His love, implanted His love in us so that we can love each other as He loves us. Amen. My goodness. Amen. Think of that. So you have spirit love defined. Defined in origin. In that it's divine in origin. It's produced by God implanted in his people that they may love each other as he loves us and then you have love described look if you will as he describes this love in uh, Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 13 known as the love chapter 1 Corinthians 13 and let's just start with verse 1 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. As we think about this spirit loved and how it is, uh, how it is described. He says, though, I, now, and here's what he's doing here. He, he's, he's discussing spiritual gifts, chapter 12. And all of a sudden, after he finishes discussing spiritual gifts, he just really gets our attention in regards to this spirit-filled love. He says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and the knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not this love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not this love, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity 
suffers long, is kind. Now here's your description. Love or charity envieth not. Charity findeth not itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity or love never fails. But whether there's prophecy, they'll fail. Where there's tongues, they'll cease. Where there's knowledge, it'll vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I be known, even as I'm also known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. But these three, but the greatest is what? The greatest is charity. The greatest is love. Now, this is how the spirit love operates in our relationship. This is how spirit love works. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate some of those descriptions for you. First of all, he says love is patient. Love is patient. Now, if you want to know if someone loves you or not, or if you want to know if you're loving someone like God would have you to love them, or if someone's loving you like God would have them to love you, here's your check-off sheet. Love, spirit-filled love, is patient. The word patient literally means fire stretched out. It means uh, the message... Uh, Bible translation says uh, it, it means that you never give up. Love never gives up. Yeah, it's like fire stretched out. It's like having a long fuse. Patience. You have a long fuse. Um, you know, you, you, you don't blow up suddenly. You, you don't go to McDonald's and they forget your fries and you go down the road and you, there's no fries and you say, oh my goodness, you whip around and you go back and you give them a piece of your mind. That's not spirit-filled love. <laughs> Someone said today, I might have shared it with Sharon. She called me yesterday. I said, so ironic that you called. I was praying about patience when you called. <laughs> but she's been praying about patience dealing with me all week. But anyway, someone said this. says, patience is when you, Sharon, it says, patience is when you can keep your shirt on when you're hot under the collar. I kindly like that definition. Patience. Spirit-filled love is patience. Spirit-filled love is kind. That simply means a calm person. Peterson, he writes this. He says, you care about others more than yourself. It's, it, this, this kindness is, is what you witness in the, in the grocery store. When, when you're standing in line with one item and the person in front says, hey, with a buggy full, you can go before me. Kindness. Spirit-filled love is Kind. Do unto others if you were others. Spirit-filled love is kind. It's patient. It does not envy. It's not jealous. Peterson said this. He says it doesn't want what it doesn't have. So when a spirit-filled person, when this love is flowing in your life, you don't get upset when someone gets the promotion at work and you don't get the promotion. Spirit-filled love. 
patient and kind. And it doesn't envy, it's not jealous. Love doesn't boast. It doesn't show off. Peterson says in his work, he says it doesn't strut. I like that. Someone said that people love to, love to look at a peacock, but soon they are driven off by its, by its squawking voice. Christian doesn't have to blow their own horn. When spirit-filled love is at work, it doesn't boast. Spirit-filled love is not proud. It's not puffed up, the Bible says. It. Love doesn't have, a, it doesn't have a swelled head. Not puffed up. It's not rude. Love has good manners. Parents, listen. Teach your children good manners. My mother taught my sister and I good manners. Judy and I were somewhere this week and, 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 she, and it was just unreal how rude the children were. I couldn't believe it. Sometimes you go in a restaurant or a cafe and you can't even enjoy your $25 meal for people being rude. Parents, teach your children not to be rude. You're helping them by doing that. You're not hurting them. Love has good manners. It's polite. It's not rude. It's not crude. It's courteous in dealing with people. Not self-seeking, verse 5. It's not a me-first attitude. Spirit-filled love is one who, who really doesn't want to be the first in line or not the one trying to hurry to get a parking place in front of Belk or in front of Bass Pro and hurrying in and rushing and whipping in, cutting somebody off in order to get that. It's not self-seeking. Spirit-filled love, the Bible says, is not easily angered. It's not easily irritated. Peterson said in his works, he says it don't fly off the handle. It's a love that keeps its cool. Spirit-filled love. And then, it keeps no record of its wrongs. Love, spirit-filled love doesn't count. Peterson says in his works, he says that love doesn't keep score. It doesn't keep the sins of others. You keep no records. Reminded me about reading about a guy. He says when he and his wife gets into a fuss, she gets historical. His friend said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She just starts throwing everything up I've done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> spirit filled love Judy is not historical I'm kidding she doesn't do that does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth verse 6 and so when you live in spirit love you want to hear good news about someone about someone instead of bad news you don't delight in the bad you're delighting in the good and then spirit-filled love always protects and preserves. Believes the best about people. Spirit-filled love, verse 7, it hopes. Spirit-filled love is optimistic. There's hope in a spirit-filled person. A pessimist, I read this, says a pessimist is one who feels bad when he feels good for fear that when he feels worse, he's going to feel worse when he feels better. I'll say that again. 
A pessimist is one who feels bad when he feels good for fear that he'll feel worse when he feels better. That's kind of neat. But optimist. Are you optimistic? Always, spirit-filled love always perseveres, endures all things, never gives up, never quits. Now let me ask you this. Just recapping all those. Are those traits in your life? That's what I had asked myself. Are you demonstrating, are you practicing spirit-filled love? And what Paul is saying, you know, he, he talks about the, the fruit, he talks about the, uh, the gifts, the spiritual gifts, but then in all he's saying this, the best way that you can tell a spirit-filled Christian is not by all of his gifts, but by his love. By the spirit-filled love. So spirit-filled love defined, spirit-filled love described, and let me close with this. Is spirit-filled love directed? How do you direct spirit-filled love? First of all, you direct it to your family. You direct it to your family, you direct it to God's family, and then you direct it to the lost. First, you direct it to your family. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another. Love your family. Don't just say I love you to your family members, but show that you love them. Love is something that you do. It's not something that you say. So show your love to your family. So do you show it? Do you say it? But do you show it? Do you talk to your family? Do you speak to your family? Do you sympathize with family members when your spouse comes in? Either spouse, when you come in and you begin to share about what a hard day. The other spouse, do you sympathize with the problems that person's going through through the day? You sympathize with your husband. You sympathize with your wife. Do you sympathize with your children and what they went through at school? Do you sit down and say, listen, let me offer some words of encouragement. I remember when I was 15 years old. And I remember when I was going through the same thing. Not just brush them off and tell them to go somewhere else that you're busy and you don't want to talk right now. Talk to your children. Speak to your children. To your family. To your spouse. Show respect. Be kind. Spirit-filled love is directed to your family. Spirit-filled love is also directed to the church family. Colossians 1 verse 4. Listen to this. Colossians 1 verse 4 says this. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all saints. That word love there is agape love. It's not eros love and it's not the, it's not the friendship love, but it's the self-sacrificing love. That you're, we're noticing that you're, you have this self-sacrificing love for all the saints, for everyone who's part of the body of Christ. So, have you ever thought about how the disciples reacted when Jesus shared these words in John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you, have, you are my disciples if you have love one for another. John was sitting there and he looks over there at Peter and he's thinking to himself, is he telling me that I'm going to have to love that old loud mouth know-it-all Peter? 
Or perhaps Peter's looking at Thomas and he's saying to himself, does he mean I'm going to have to love that old, that old know-it-all doubting Thomas? That old pessimist Thomas. Am I going to have to love him? 1 John 4.20 Listen to this. 1 John 4 verse 20 If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Spirit-filled love directed to the family, to the body of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can help us love that way. Only the Holy Spirit can help us love our family as God wants us to love them. Only the Holy Spirit can help us love our church family as He wants us to love them. And then it's directed, and I'll close with this, it's directed to the lost, to the lost. You know, Jesus loved people. He had compassion on people. The Bible says from time to time that Jesus was moved with compassion. So spirit-filled love is the kind of love that Jesus showed people. Now here's the point. If we let this kind of love that Jesus had, that Jesus gave to us the, t the moment we were saved, if we let this kind of love flow through us, then he'll change our lives to the point that he'll cause us to seek opportunities to share the gospel with people. You see, love is a decision. Something that you decide to do. Love is a choice. It's a matter of the will. So we have to decide to love unlovely people. That's what Jesus did. We have to decide to love the alcoholics or the prostitutes or the drug addicts or the murderers or those that are in prison. And as we make that decision, God will convict us to share the gospel with them. I read where this wealthy socialite, this lady, visited a daycare center for low-rent children. And a little girl was standing there. She was dirty. She was shabby and had just a little odor about her. And then she came over and she nudged up against this very wealthy lady. And the lady kind of pulled away. And she asked the social worker, she says, well, why doesn't her mother bathe her? And the social worker said this. She said, the mother loves the child, but she doesn't hate the dirt. And then she added, you hate the dirt, but do you love the child? How did Jesus treat Zacchaeus? That old money grabber, old Zacchaeus, hated by everybody, ripped everybody off. How did Jesus react to it? Come on down, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house today. How did Jesus react to the woman at the well who had had so many husbands that she couldn't even remember the name of the one she lived with? Jesus said, hey, I'm going to tell you about some water that if you drink of it, 
you'll never thirst again. And I'll forgive your sins. You see, love is the only way to reach people. Love is the only way to win people. I read an illustration about a post office in Pittsburgh years ago. I guess that's why I had that on my mind a few minutes ago, Judy, when I said Pittsburgh. But this post office was built. And it came time for the dedication service. And they had all the dignitaries there. It's going to be a grand opening. They were going to mail that day. They were going to mail the first letter from that new post office. So they had the dignitaries there. Everything was decorated. They had the band there. They had the community there. Everyone was there in that little town. And so when they began to play and it came time to have the ribbon cutting and they took the letter and they went in, unbeknown to them, no one discovered it. Architects didn't discover it. But there wasn't any mail slots in that post office. There was no way to mail the letters. No way for that letter to reach anyone. You see, love is the only way to reach people. Only way. It's a slot. Love is a slot. Look at it that way. And if love is missing, then the message of Jesus can be delivered. And that's a matter of fact. We can't love the lost unless we allow the Holy Spirit to produce His love in us and through us. We can't love our family. We can't love our friends. We can't love our church family the way Jesus would have us to love them unless we're allowed, we would be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with that love. Reminded me of an old song. That Brother Mike changed a few minutes ago. <laughs> Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I bravely do my part to win that soul to thee. Lord, lead me to some soul in sin and grant that I may be imbued with power and love to win that soul, dear Lord, to thee. To win that soul for thee alone will be my constant prayer that when I've reached my heavenly home, I'll meet that dear one there. Some soul for thee, some soul for thee. This is my earnest plea. Lord, help me today, a long life's way, to reach one soul for thee. It's the only way we'll reach them is love them. And the only way we'll love them is to allow that spirit-filled love to possess us and fill us. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to just